G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, the date for the New South Wales state election is closing in. Pre-poll voting has already begun and the majority of voters will cast their ballot on the 23rd of March. As you know, there are Christian parties and there are parties that ascribe to Judeo-Christian values vying for seats, particularly in the Upper House in New South Wales. Well, the Australian Conservatives will be standing candidates in the New South Wales election. One of those is Dr Greg Walsh, a Sydney-based lawyer, author and university lecturer. He's a defender of free speech and religious liberty, promoting limited government and supporting families. He's joining us today. Dr. Greg Walsh, welcome to 2020. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Greg. So the Australian Conservatives, uh, standing candidates in a lot of seats, or is it primarily a focus on the upper house? Yeah, for the New South Wales election, we have 19 who are contesting seats in New South Wales. And so that's throughout New South Wales. We have quite a few in Sydney. We have them throughout uh, the state, so through the north, west and south New South Wales as well. And I imagine that given the challenging circumstances in the lower house and in the upper house, and uh, given that there are two Christians holding a balance of power in the upper house, and those sorts of values are something that the Australian Conservatives are likely to be uh, also honing in on. That's right, actually. If your listeners wanted to watch an excellent debate, a number of us spoke last Friday night at the Australian Christian Lobbies. They had a small parties forum, and so Paul Green from the Christian Democrats was there. I was speaking, and we also had Mark Latham from One Nation and Mark Benaziak from The Shooters. So the four of us were addressing issues that are of a particular importance to the Christian community. And so that's a, if you wanted to watch, it was quite an in-depth discussion, about an hour and a half of a range of issues of concern to serious Christians. So, yes, I think uh, the Conservatives are definitely a, a party that's filled with many, many serious Christians. You can just look at the candidates that we have. So, oh, obviously, yeah, I'm a, a prominent Christian who's written quite a lot on religious liberty issues. As, as some of you, your listeners might know, I'm a, I'm a university lecturer and a lawyer as well. So. Most of what I've published is on religious liberty, including doing a, a doctorate on religious schools and how they should be protected under discrimination legislation. We also have Sophie York, who many of you would know was the, one of the leaders in trying to stop our marriage laws being redefined. Uh, we have Kevin Bailey down in Victoria, who's been very prominent in promoting uh, Christianity through modern media. And obviously we have Lyle Shelton, who I'm sure all of your listeners know was the former head of the Australian Christian Lobby. So yeah, we do have some of the most prominent Christians in the country. Greg, when you're speaking, when you're campaigning, the primary issues that you're talking about, is it around this religious discrimination? Is it around religious schools, uh, this discrimination law issue? Is this what's primarily driving your campaign? There's a lot of issues that are concerned, but the social issues are motivating millions of Australians to look at other parties 
and no longer trust the Liberal, Labour, National parties to try to, to promote and defend what's important to them. So just in New South Wales and at a Commonwealth level, we have a range of quite worrying threats that are coming our way. So we have religious schools and universities being undermined by a threat from the Commonwealth Government and the state governments will follow to remove the protections that currently exist under discrimination legislation so that religious schools can preferentially employ teachers and other employees who are committed to the religion on which the school is based. So these protections allow, say, a Christian school to say to a Christian teacher, uh, we're only going to, or an applicant, we're only going to employ you if you are someone who actually takes Christianity seriously. And that's obviously essential for a school because the whole reason why, why Christian schools are set up isn't just to teach students about maths and, and English, but it's to form their character and to help them learn about Christianity, to live a holy life and to the end of their life to be answerable to God for how they've lived their life and to hopefully have lived a holy life. And Greg, it's, of course, it's not just about teachers and schools, but the rights of parents in all of that, because they're the ones who are sending their children to these schools. What are your thoughts for the threats that parents are facing as things begin to unfold, uh, not only federally, but as they are outworked in the states? Yes, so definitely this is going to have an adverse impact on, on parents. So why would you send, if you're a committed Christian or committed to whatever, whatever worldview you have, why would you be sending your children to schools that have compromised their mission and no longer upholding your understanding of Christianity if they're going to be surrounded by teachers or other employees and students who are hostile to your religion? Why on earth would you send your, your, your children there? It's actually immoral to, to send your children there because there's a good chance they're going to uh, develop a worldview that's hostile to Christianity. I mean, there's many examples of that now in, in a range of different Christian schools that they have secularized and they're essentially humanist institutions where serious Christians are no longer sending their kids to their schools. They'll homeschool them or they'll send them to public schools and just look after the religious education themselves. So there's a big threat there to parental rights. But there's also a threat which many of you users, many of your viewers will, or listeners will, will know about it in relation to the gender identity movement. That is an increasing move that many individuals have in power, review the journey that many people have in power, that if a child is up, comes up with the view that they are the opposite sex, then they have to be affirmed in that understanding. And any parent who is of the view that a child who can, a six year old, boy who thinks he's now a girl, that, that many parents would want to try and help that young boy recognise that, that he actually is a boy, that he's not a girl. It's a few a, a movement that's becoming very strong that any, any decision to try to assist someone to affirm their biological identity is a type of child abuse. So there's very worrying trends there about how the state is going to undermine parental rights in the worst case, it's going to lead to, to their children being removed from them because the state will have the conclusion that what the parent is doing by trying to affirm the child's biological identity is serious child abuse that warrants removal. So it's incredibly worrying what, what many in government and many advocates are, are supporting and, and pushing for. 
Uh, no doubt there'll be some, Greg, who think that talking about these things is just fear-mongering and this couldn't happen, happen in Australia. But uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that in so many contexts now happening overseas, uh, places like Canada, the country that comes to mind for me, these things are already being worked out in a significant way as much of the ideological process Uh, People talk about uh, some ways a hijacking of a Greens agenda that comes in here and even uh, affecting both sides of the political divide. But how significant is it that these things are coming and they are coming to Australia because they are moving that direction in so many countries overseas? Yes, that's that's a good point. When you see what's happening in countries like Canada, the US, the UK, New Zealand, it's simply Australia's only a few years behind what's going to happen there. And so we're lucky in, in one, one respect is that we have advance warning about how bad things are going to get unless Christians and other serious conservatives and other people who are concerned about our country begin to become active and start voting in a, in a wiser way for parties who are willing to stand up for these important issues. But even more than voting, just to get involved in the cultural battles, to have the debates with their colleagues when they express a view which is inappropriate, to ensure that they make purchasing decisions that yeah, that are inconsistent with their their ethics. So if a company sponsors uh, a particular uh, ad that's inappropriate or some program which is inappropriate, that serious Christians make it clear to that company that they'll be directing their business elsewhere because what the company is promoting is harmful to society. So, yes. Now, the work of Australian Conservatives and under the leadership of Corey Bernardi, uh, but you're at work in New South Wales. Uh, clearly, you'd be wanting to see some sort of showing for those who have uh, earlier supported uh, the likes of uh, Family First and Australian Conservatives. Uh, this is a significant move that you're wanting people to get behind because uh, the growth of Australian Conservatives you would no doubt see as something significant, not only for the New South Wales state election, but for what will be coming beyond in the federal election. Yes, that's right. So we're building a conservative movement. So it's something that's a long-term strategy and the recognition that hundreds of thousands, millions of Australians have had that the Liberals, Labor, Nationals have been fundamentally compromised and people have correctly given up any hope that these parties are willing to fight for conservative, conservative Christian values anymore. Occasionally you'll get some Liberal, National and very rarely a, a Labor politician making a, a statement which is consistent with the conservative Christian worldview, but typically they compromise themselves as soon as the pressure is put on them. So Scott Morrison is a, is a great example of that. To begin with, he was quite strong in defending religious schools during the Wentworth by-election. Your listeners might recall he was very strong in defending religious schools, but in the days that followed, he quickly changed his view. So we had a situation last December where the Sex Discrimination Act was almost amended in a way that would have profoundly undermined religious schools, universities, and even further than that, it was any religious organisation involved in providing teaching, which meant that even organisations operating in churches could have been 
held to have been acting in contradiction and violation of the Sex Discrimination Act. So it was an extraordinary threat to religious liberty, to the well-being of Christians in Australia. But you had Greens, you suppose you give up hope, you expect that from the Greens, but you had Labour, Liberal and Nationals overwhelmingly in support of making this change. They only didn't do it because they couldn't agree on some very, very small minor amendments. But this is coming back. The, the Liberals, because they didn't want it to be a federal election issue, they, uh, they, they gave it to the Australian Law Reform Commission to review, and the report is due back in the middle of the year, obviously after the federal election, so they don't have to deal with it in the next couple of months and lose the votes as a consequence. But it will come back after the next Commonwealth election. So regardless whether you have a Labor Labor government or a coalition government, this is going to come back. And we already see from the votes that they, that they had last December that most of them are in favour of changing this act. And so that's why it's just so critical that we get Conservatives into the upper house at the Commonwealth level and the state level so we hold the balance of power so we can say well, no to this kind of change. We're not going to support that because it's going to fundamentally undermine the rights of Christians to be able to live consistently with their Christian beliefs and for the organisations that they create, especially religious schools and universities, to be faithful adherents of Christianity or to act in a way that's consistent with traditional Christian beliefs. Well, it is a critical election that's coming up on the 23rd. Dr Greg Walsh is standing as a candidate in the upper house for the Australian Conservatives. Uh, let me give you the Australian Conservatives website, conservatives.org.au. And there is a Facebook page if you are searching for Greg B. Walsh and standing for the Australian Conservatives in the upcoming New South Wales state election. Uh, Greg, all the best. Thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Great. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.